Hello everyone and welcome to an all new episode of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. My name is Andy. Sitting across the table from me is Jenny. Hello. And 111 miles to our southwest is Megan. Hello. Hello guys. How are you today, Jenny? Good. How are you today, Megan? <laughs> I'm also good. Jenny, you didn't sound good. This feels weird. No, it's not weird. It's fine. This isn't how you normally introduce us. Well, that's how I did it last week. You didn't ask us each individually how we were. No, I didn't. That felt weird. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, let's get let's get you back on the, the path of familiarity. Because <laughs> we're going to start the show off the way we start off every show with the... Elite Beat Pop of the Week! Oh boy, and I know you're excited about this one. Jenny. I'm really excited. Uh, listeners, we have a very special... Elite Pete Pop of the Week this week. I tried to have this be our Elite Beat Pop of the Week for our very special episode with Justin Shapiro so that he could have the full Elite Beat experience, but um, there were some issues with the shipping and it did not arrive in time or for the next week. So, two weeks out. Yay! Um, we are enjoying a Gloria Ferrar. Vista Brute. So this is a new varietal that Gloria Farrar created this year, and it is supposed to bring home the relaxed and joyful feeling of enjoying a glass of bubbles on their iconic Vista Terrace overlooking the Sonoma Valley. Meg and I have been to Gloria Farrar many a times, and I'd say many, right? Multiple. Multiple. Definitely. Because we always, whenever we'd go out to Sonoma, we'd hit it up at least two or three times. Well, yeah, because if you're in the wine club and you go, you get a free bottle of champagne with every visit. So how can you not take advantage of that? It's pretty awesome. And they have a beautiful terrace. And they used to give these, like, really delicious roasted almonds that were, like, spiced and, oh, just sitting out with a glass of wine overlooking the vineyards it's perched up on a hill so you're just rolling vineyards down just lovely do a quick google image search if you're curious i bet there's some beautiful results there oh that was a good one that was a good one thank you i'm pretty excited about this i am too actually megan i wish you were here me too but i'm sure i'll taste this eventually now, Megan, what do you have uh, over in Cincinnati? I have good old Cincinnati Rheingeist Truth. Oh, that's what you were drinking yeah. last week. Yeah, I I decided to remain on that train. Outstanding. All right, it's going to be a crack, so not quite as fun as a champagne pop, but here we go. Oh, that was a rich sound. That was nice. Yeah, I saw the little recording thing go into the red, so, so you know it's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, cheers, everyone. Jenny just recoiled when she uh, smelled the... It was, um... No, bubbles, bubbles went up into my nose. It was I, a very um, carbonated pour. I was worried. I was worried it was going to go badly. Oh, I love it. It's delicious. Good job, Gloria. Yeah. Ooh, seriously. Gloria for our Vista Brute. 
Highly recommend. You'll have to tag them. Yeah. Your truth doing okay? Oh, yeah. I mean, it tastes the way I expect it to, which is good. That is good. All right. Let's get into it. Being the Elite, episode 214. You asking us out for a beer? Highlights of this episode included uh, Brandon Cutler confronting the best friends in Orange Cassidy about their uh, their murder plans. So they had a they had a great whiteboard full of ideas for killing Brandon. I enjoyed that bit. Uh, John Silver was knocked out by Brody Lee from Papers and uh, notably corpsed throughout the entire segment. Could not stop laughing. <laughs> he was crying, Andy. We had uh, Spanglish lessons from Santana Ortiz and uh, their assistant, Jake Hager, who used the phrase tiki-tiki. Somehow Catalina Hager found out about this immediately and called him and uh, set Dasha and her, uh, and her flip-flops on him. Cole Cabana, once again, tried to get in to see Kenny Omega, was stopped this time by Michael Nakazawa. Uh, the Initiative, which I found out this week, is their tag team name, Megan, Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon, and their manager, Leva Bates, had to talk about uh, cheating, and Brandon actually cut a very sincere-sounding babyface promo about how when they get their first win, he doesn't want it to be against enhancement talent, and he wants it to be fair and square. That was really touching. I don't know who he thinks he's going to get that win over, but I hope he achieves his dream. Me too. Frankie Kazarian runs into big money Matt Hardy, and he, after a lot of back and forth, he pays him enough money to get waters from the Lake of Reincarnation and go back to normal. So, that's great. He's no longer a Hardy. Yeah. We get a uh, another dead-ass private party Matt Jackson bit, and I still don't really get these. More with Mr. Brody Lee berating the rest of the Dark Order for failing to recruit Jungle Boy or Hangman. And finally, uh, Hangman approaches FTR backstage, and they leave to get drinks, and they leave Brandon Cutler behind, even though he's the cameraman. Megan, did I leave anything out? Uh, anything you wanted to cover? I don't think so. I think you covered it all. My highlights for the week were definitely the Dark Order stuff and I guess Ann Cutler's, you know, impassioned promo, but I think you covered everything else. Oh, I forgot about 50 plus seconds for the 50 plus. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Matt actually did a very nice painting. He did. He summoned his inner uh, Bob. Ross. Bob Ross. But he, well, he did paint trees. I was going to say, he didn't paint happy trees. He painted palm trees. Painted palm trees, yeah. If Those that might was, be the happiest of trees. If that was actually his hand doing the painting, he did a very nice job. I think it was. I don't, I don't know who else he would recruit to do it. Yeah, I don't know. All right, that takes us to AEW Dark. I, I guess, needless to say, being the elite this week was not the 
was not the standout episode that last week's was. It wasn't, but the whiteboard that the best friends had put together with their ideas to kill Brandon was amazing. I think one of them was just Aliens 1979 or whatever. Like, they put the year next to it as if you didn't know what movie it was. What other ideas were there? Um, I took a picture of it, I think. But I, I believe they had multiple ones where they were trying to Game of Thrones him wherein they put gold on him or yes. dip him in gold, gold but it's hot yeah there were two different gold uh bits um stab him and then they had a question of like knife or sword and then they had another number later on that referenced that one that had to do with like cutlery basically <laughs> it was it was good stuff and also they repeatedly tried to tell him it wasn't about him, not you, Brandon, the other Brandon. And he's like, there's no other Brandon. And so Chuck wipes off his name where it says, plans to kill Brandon. And then he's like, no, 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 no. here, I'm writing the name. And then he just writes Brandon again. <laughs> it was a good segment. It was, yeah. That takes us to AEW Dark for July 28th, 2020. And oh boy, here we go. 12 matches. Oh my god. I watched I watched the first 8 matches and then we got distracted with something else and then I never went back to watch the last 4 but anyway. Uh, FTR defeated The Initiative, Brandon Cutler and um, Peter Avalon. Sunny Kiss and Joey Janela defeated Michael Nakazawa and Pineapple Pete. Abaddon defeated Skylar Moore. We won't say her name two more times. <laughs> Uno and Grayson defeated Sean Dean and Will Hobbs. So, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson getting ready for their title shot the next night. Scorpio Sky defeated Corey Hollis. Penelope Ford defeated Kenzie Page. Kenzie Ward- H. Yeah. Wardlow defeated Mr. Bailey, Aaron Solo. The Best Friends beat... Reynolds and Silver, the Clean Beavers. Lance Archer defeated Frankie Thomas. Orange Cassidy got revenge on Serpentico for giving Sammy Guevara his outfit last week. Sammy Guevara defeated Fuego Del Sol. And in the main event, Santana and Ortiz won a triple threat match over SCU and Private Party. So I didn't even get to see like the, the match that was in question. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was weird that you tapped out before the big important one. Yeah, well, I I think at the time I planned to go back to it, and then I just never got around to it. Uh, Yeah, I can't be compelled by Dark, it seems, anymore. I I wish I could, but I don't even try. Me too. We talk about it all the time, how much we used to like that show. Yeah, we just need to rein it back into what it originally was. Well, Megan, if you were to recommend fans of this podcast to follow any Instagram account, which Instagram account would you recommend they follow? Um, I'm a big fan of Chuck's. God damn it, Megan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, you should follow Chuck. But in addition, you may want to check out the Elite Beat Pod on Instagram. <laughs> you can actually see 
the, the a picture of the bottle we're drinking right now. It's true. Fancy. It's real-time news for you. Yeah. Megan, why don't you get us going on our Dynamite recap? All right. As we open up and pan through the wrestling roster crowd, I have to ask, has anyone watched Kip's Twitch channel? Because he keeps promoting it. I see, but I don't care. I haven't watched any of it, but I see him like posting clips from it all the time on Twitter. He, he also posts a bunch of clips from it on Instagram. Okay. So I feel like I've seen the highlights, and why would I watch the full movie when they've already given me the Cliff Notes version? That's a good point. I was just curious. I know there is a lot of crossover with the wrestling and the video game interests, but I just have not bothered to check out Kip's channel. He's pushing it real hard, though. Every week, he has a new sign-up. So I was just curious if there's anything, like really going on over there that reminds me Rusev says that he is done with wrestling and now he's a full time professional video game player I believe that do you? no (laughs) (laughs) do you think that's just like some red meat he's throwing out there so people won't be ready for him to debut it all out or whatever maybe I don't know I'd like to be a professional Bravo watcher I think you yeah. can be if you write about it or podcast about it and monetize that content. Hmm. <laughs> Something to consider. But yeah, Kip has a Twitch channel. Go check it out, I guess, if you're into that sort of thing. Twitch eludes me. I'm over 30. I blame my age and not just my laziness in trying to figure it out. Just needed to shout out Kip. Um, another man I noticed in the crowd was the one who had a giant mullet and I'm assuming he's enhancement talent, but I was curious because I don't think I've seen him before. Megan, that wasn't just a mullet. That was a mohawk mullet. What did we call it? Um, mullet. Um, mohawk. 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 We called it a mohawk. <laughs> that was awesome. Brian Pillman Jr., who has been there before. Um, oh. he, may have, he may have shaved the sides a little bit to make it more pronounced this week. Yeah, I've never noticed him before. But uh, this is only the second time he's been there. Um, he is the son of Brian Pillman, who is a very famous professional wrestler and also a uh, University of Miami alum. Oh. He held, nice. He held several tackling records for, I don't know, they're probably broken by now, but in the 80s he held several tackling records for football. Love and honor, Bill Pullman. Nope. Pillman? <laughs> Brian Pillman. <laughs> Not Bill Pullman. Not our president, Bill Pullman. <laughs> If only. Did you notice who was on on commentary tonight? I did. It was Tony, JR, and Taz. Did Excalibur test positive? Yeah. Fuck. For racism. Oh, fuck. That's right. What? Not Excalibur. Excalibur. Cancelled. Really? Yeah. So, this is from uh, (laughs) Bodyslam.net. Cassidy Haynes wrote this article. Excalibur was pulled from last night's episode of AEW Dynamite prior to broadcast despite being in Jacksonville, Florida, and prepared to appear on air. This came in the wake of old footage of him using the N-word in a promo during a PWG event. (sighs) No, don't do that. It had been speculated that Excalibur might have received a 30-day suspension similar to the one that Sammy Guevara recently finished 
and that looks as though that might indeed be the case. AEW is holding next week's TV tapings later today in Jacksonville. While speaking to a source within the company, I asked about Excalibur's status for tonight's set of tapings. I was told that Excalibur is still in Jacksonville, but that the belief is that he is in fact out for 30 days. With the quote being, I'm not sure, I think he's out for a month, but he's here, who knows. Currently, well, that's a really, <laughs> really helpful source. Hey, better than any source we have. Well, of course, I know, it's just, that, like, that. that's the exact quote, they quoted that, <laughs> Currently, AEW has yet to make an official statement regarding Excalibur and his status with the company. We've reached out to AEW for a comment, but so far have not been given a reply. AEW was scheduled to record next week's episodes of Dark and Dynamite later today from Daily's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. Blah, blah, blah. We'll let you know if we hear anything more about Excalibur and his status with AEW. So, this was, I believe, from 2003, from like the first year of PWG. And it was an in-character promo, and he and Kevin Steen, now Owens, both used the N-word. <gasps> Not uh, Kevin Owens, too. Yeah. Uh, about uh, fellow PWG wrestler and noted black man, the Human Tornado. Oh, God. So, so important to note, it was in-character, but it was also stupid, but it was also <laughs> 17 years ago. <laughs> And oh, they have true. both apologized for it in the interim because this is not the first time that these clips have resurfaced. Sure. Oh. I, I, I will say, though, that, like, I think that there has been... Maybe cut this because I'm probably not going to say this right. No boy. But I think that there has been a shift in society about certain things that you can say and not say but i think back then and even previously the n-word has always been off limits whereas like when we rewatch friends there were all of those gay jokes and oh yeah the running in the run, running joke about chandler just always being gay yeah and then and when i think about the rape joke that sammy like i feel like those types of things are more recent in our society of, hey, we need to be more mindful of how this is coming off. Everyone has always known the N-word is just horrific and should never be used. Well, not everyone, I think. Well, every decent human being. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping that since it was in character that they cleared it with this... her. Did you say his name was, like, Hurricane? Human Tornado. And Human to answer tornado. your question before you finish asking it, some of the chatter I've seen today, and I don't know this for a fact, but some of the things that I've seen today when people were discussing this issue is that he requested that they use the term. Okay. Well, then, I... You know, I don't love it, but that provides a lot more context than they just decided mid-promo. <laughs> Or mid-conversation. Mid-conversation would be the worst scenario. They just drop it, you know? that That's yeah, real bad. I it would seems, never. It seems regardless of anything that it was planned beforehand, whether or not he actually actively requested for it, that, you know, that may be up to spec it's just speculation, but, but it's not like they went in there and kind of, like, shot on him by, you know, calling him racial slurs. Yeah. Yeah, but still, even if someone had asked me to use that word, I would never, ever use that word. Ever. 
I mean, I just think in terms of wrestling, a lot of scummy WWE stuff, or at least things I thought were scummy, like referencing Charlotte's dead brother's drug problem and other things along those lines where hearing it from the outside, I'm like, holy shit, why would you ever make that person do that? They usually end up being somebody being like, or the person involved saying, yeah, that was a good idea. I wanted to do that. So I don't think, I think if somebody's requesting you do it and it's okay with them, you need to take them at their word. But also I hope no one was pressured into that. And I got to believe that at least Kevin Owens, based on his backlash against his fellow uh, Riker guy being openly like, make America great again, that he doesn't hold the belief that that's a cool word to say especially 17 years later yeah i i have no reason to believe that uh either excalibur or kevin owens feel that way at all in fact i have great reason to believe that kevin owens feels the opposite of that way so yeah definitely and as i think i've said before like actions speak louder than words and in these situations where things get dredged up from your past I think that Kevin Owens, and I only say that because I haven't had as much exposure to Excalibur, um, but Kevin Owens at least has done a lot of things where I don't, I don't get the impression that he's a big old racist that would say that word freely. I hope he's not. Um, and this sounds like a case of we're taking things out of context and using it to like, I don't know, destroy people, cancel them. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it was something that was like kind of, it sprung up that morning, so he, so that makes sense why he would already have been in Jacksonville, um, and I imagine it is, like, okay, if we use you today, then people will talk a, a lot about it. Right. If we hold you off for a, a show or two, it'll probably have been forgotten. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I get why Coney, Coney Tan. <laughs> Coney Tan. Coney Tan. I get why Tony Khan pulled him. Um, I also understand your guys' points as well. I also think you shouldn't use that word. No. You know, and it feels like they have realized that obviously that was a bad choice. I the thing about it is like two thousand, like the year Pro Wrestling Gorilla started, it was this like teeny tiny little company, like just full of all these guys who were like good friends from Southern California making what they probably felt were like home movies essentially you know not really for you know they probably didn't really even think about like other people consuming this let alone 15 20 years later that's how that's how the lifetime movies the women get into porn by accident that's exactly what happens they think it's oh it's just silly fun with friends and then all of a sudden there's a porno yeah and it's not their fault (laughs) exactly well, that, um, I, I feel okay still liking Excalibur and Kevin Owens. I think these are different than recent sort of issues that have come up with other people. Um, Me too. And I, I guess if they put Excalibur in 30 days of sensitivity training the way they did with Sammy, <laughs> he probably won't learn anything he already knows, like doesn't know already, <laughs> you know, like... 
I guess you could. Seems like you'd be wasting his time and your money on that, but whatever. Uh, meanwhile, you know, Justin is out there just doing his, uh, what is he, the dapper yapper? Mm-hmm. Doing his damn thing. This. No explanation. No necessary, like, thought to pull him. Because I feel like he's in the same situation as both Sammy and now Excalibur, where accusations were leveraged nothing happened why i'm just i'm still so hung up on this why is he there and they didn't put out anything to like clear him no like it's just like you and i are just thinking like why is this awful person on the tv and they like reference him like in a creepy way of like oh look at him in his tuxedo yeah he's probably like dming 17 year olds there yeah i just desperately want some sort of explanation as to why you know you heard that darby presented something to tony khan that apparently proved that he wasn't like the accusations against him weren't true but you don't hear anything about justin roberts in the same way and i don't know i just want to know i feel like some of the people getting punished it's (laughs) it's so harsh compared to the people who apparently just are skating by. So, just curious. I missed Excalibur, I will say. Yeah, the show was worse for him being absent, yeah. for sure. Has <laughs> is no Excalibur. No, it, it, it seemed like they didn't really have a play-by-play man. Uh, it's like Jim Ross didn't feel like stepping up to the plate. because <laughs> <laughs> so. He hadn't planned for it, Andy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. That really is the dream team, because, like, when we've had JR and Excalibur only, you need that. Sometimes they sparred a bit and couldn't get on the same page, so you do need Tony to kind of, like... Be JR's playmate. Yeah, just kind of, like, make everything, like, weave together okay. Mm -hmm. But you also clearly need Excalibur. There was a moment later on in the show where they were going, running down the matches for next week, and... I forget whether it was Jer or Tony who said it, but one of them was just like, oh, this one's mine? Like, like, there was a hesitation, and then he's like, yeah, that's yours. And then they write off the card. It was almost, It just seemed like maybe not everybody was totally together for this one. Yeah. So now that we've cleared up the announce issue, back to that first match. The Inner Circle is facing off against the best friends and friends and the f- the additional friends in this scenario are Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy although Marco Stunt is just right there with them and leading you know them out to the stage um the best friends and their friends get the win when Luchasaurus pins Sammy but this pin comes with a an assist from Matt Hardy who shows up right at the end and pops up on the ring apron and distracts Sam or no pushes Sammy off the top and then with that Luchasaurus is able to get him because he's all out of sorts so Matt Hardy still has unfinished business with Sammy now that he is quote unquote back in town and he has decided uh this is kind of something that took shape over social media over the last week or so where he has decided that he is going to just be Matt Hardy for a while when it comes to Dynamite. I think he's 
he's come to the realization that the uh, the broken stuff doesn't work as well without an audience. That is a good realization to come to. Yep. Mm-hmm. Probably should have come to that earlier. Yeah. I wonder if he'll still switch into other personas, though. I mean... Maybe he'll get his, you know, his yayas out doing that on BTE. Oh, probably. They seem to love it. Okay, well, that's good to know. Um, what did you guys think of this match, this 10-man extravaganza? Unfortunately, I think that Jenny's theory of uh, <laughs> too many men doing too many things at once kind of pay, you know, kind of came to home to roost here on this one. Uh, I usually, I don't really subscribe to that theory, but... Uh, she's got she's got evidence in her favor tonight. I thought this was like I enjoyed watching it because there's a lot of stars doing a lot of stuff, but it was it was a total mess and just kind of all over the place. I love being right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Soak it up now. Uh, yeah, I would agree. It was like I like everybody in this, but it's also just kind of overwhelming. And nothing really got the chance to breathe because there were so many people doing, like, high spots and interference moves. When you say you like everybody in this, does that mean that you have gotten aboard the Hager train? No. Okay. Sorry, I spoke too soon. <laughs> Nine out of ten. Yeah. He, if he just changes his opinions on one thing, <laughs> yeah. we could be cool. Maybe he has. Well. Maybe he listened to that podcast with Nyla and Jericho. I hope so. <laughs> um, Jericho has Demo God in his entrance video now. That's great. He that does. Long. And he continues to wear that disgusting orange jacket. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the Hager-Orange Cassidy sequence at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Orange throwing those just, like, absolutely vicious leg kicks, like Muay Thai style. Yes, and then Hager having the audacity to pick him up and try to... Pick him up like a child. Yeah, just muscle him <laughs> out of there. I like the five-way hug that we got after the inner circle all got taken out. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see, what else was there in this match? Uh, at one point, Marco gets tossed back and forth between Luchasaurus and Hager. Like, Luchasaurus is up on the apron and Hager's on the ground. And Marco volunteers himself as tribute. So Luchasaurus just overhands him to Jake Hager, who catches him and then tosses him back. And then uh, Marco's like, hold on, let's change our plan. And he climbs on Luchasaurus's back so that Luchasaurus can... I guess have added weight and momentum as he dives off the ring apron onto a couple guys on the outside. Yeah, I think ultimately what it ended up doing was just uh, causing Luchasaurus to not jump very far, (laughs) but thankfully they were close by. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like jumping with a backpack on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Marco's stone's pretty small. He's backpack size. He is pretty small. There was a, there was, I felt so bad for uh, Aubrey Edwards in this match because they kept pointing out that the referee has really has no prayer in this one because it's 10 people. And I don't know. It just like she kept trying to restore order and like unsuccessfully. It just made her look like very inept as an official, I thought. 
Yeah, and they kept talking about it. They didn't just make a comment and then let it die. It it went on. Yeah. Yes, it did. Um, we got more of the Hager and Luchasaurus stuff that I liked from last week's match. Except this time, um, Luchasaurus' mask got knocked loose. Yeah, we almost had an unmasking part, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But JR, quick on his feet, said that Luchasaurus was coming out of his skin. <laughs> Yikes, like a lizard. You're like a lizard, yeah. We're supposed to think that's not a mask. That's his real face. I well, guess he's a so. dinosaur. Anyway, and then as you said, yeah, it was uh, Sammy got uh, beat after a Matt Hardy interference spot. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Just it didn't. It just really didn't do it for me. And I was looking forward to this one. Yeah, Jenny's theory, while not a hundred percent correct, was true in this instance. I will give her that. Music to my ears. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, with that said, um, I'm gonna move on because I don't want to hear gloat too much. The next segment we have is a video promo of John Moxley. He is by himself and he says, you know what? If people leave me alone, I'll leave them alone. I try to stay out of their business, other people's business. And he thought he was done with Brian Cage, but then Cage went ahead and put a beatdown on Moxley's new little buddy, Darby. So Moxley's like, I don't start fights, but I will always finish them. So now he has to come after Cage again. And he sounds pretty confident during this whole promo, but Taz, um, the commentator, interprets it as Moxley being terrified and says Cage is going to kill him. So I don't think Taz is totally correct on that one, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. uh, the next match is a newcomer to Dynamite. War Horse. War Horse? Yes. Versus Cody. And this is for the TNT Championship because Cody's got his open challenge issued. And surprise, surprise, Cody remains the TNT Champion. He has War Horse tap out with the figure four leg lock after working over War Horse's left leg pretty much the whole match. Had... Yeah, How did you, you feel you about of, the match? What did you think of War Horse, Megan? I'm sure you'd never encountered this gentleman before. I haven't, and he... I, they kept saying, like, he's an indie darling or whatever, but he didn't really blow me away. He just seemed like a guy who really liked to headbang and also dressed like the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. But also, like, like denim. Yeah. So he was like kind of like T-Hawk from Street Fighter, so from Super Street Fighter 2. Yes. That is true. Only I feel like a little less, you know, Native American appropriated. Yeah, Jenny, Jenny was having some <laughs> trouble with that. Uh, I was. <clears throat> she didn't like him uh, culturally appropriating, if that's what he was doing. I don't, I don't think he was, because he didn't have any other, like... Like, it wasn't like he came out with, like, a headdress on. There was no headdress. There was face paint, but no headdress. But a yeah, lot but of people the... face paint. The face wrestling. paint also was very Ultimate war Warrior. Like, 
homage that at least that's a sense i got it didn't look to me like native american war paint or any sort of appropriation of that i hope <laughs> uh, i mean unless he's native maybe they didn't mention it they always mention it with nyla rose well it's but part that... of her nickname that's true um, but yeah, he seemed like a metalhead who really liked 80s wrestling, and um, it's not like he was bad, he just, he just did fine, I, you know? He, he wasn't anything special to me. Um, his entrance, as spoken by Mr. Justin Roberts himself, was, Warhorse weighs 4,000 pounds, or his weight is 4,000 pounds of heavy metal, and he is here to rule ass. Which is a weird like thing that. to say, but I okay. Enjoyed, I enjoyed that. What ass? He here's here to rule ass. How do you rule ass? What does that mean? Well, yeah. I don't know. He didn't. He didn't rule Cody's ass, so. Yeah. Um. No, he definitely lost. <laughs> if this was his tryout, I would say much like Eva Lee's last week, it was not a successful one. Yeah. He I mean, could match probably is, show match up on dark. Fine. He didn't mess anything up. No, I don't think so. But I, I he didn't do anything that made me think that like he, now here's the thing. He's got a really wacky gimmick. And I still don't think he did anything that made him stand out. Do you think it would have played better in front of a crowd? Yes. Okay. <laughs> in in fairness to him, maybe this was not the time. Yeah. That, that, that also is also another, like, so there are many things about tonight, or last night's show, that uh, put it in poor comparison to last week's show. One of them is, I don't know what happened, but the crowd was terrible last night. They didn't cut to them, so maybe there wasn't as many people this time around. The heel side was very, very um, empty. Like... The only people I saw were Jake and um, Lance Archer. I saw Phoenix mm -hmm. over there. You saw Ray Phoenix? Mm -hmm. Okay. And I saw the uh, guy whose handsomeness exists midway on the spectrum between Zachary Ty Bryan and Chris Hemsworth. Who's Zachary Ty Bryan? Brad from Home Improvement. That is quite a spectrum. Yeah, that seems really far. <laughs> like, very far. <laughs> Sorry, Zachary Ty Bryan. I don't know who you're talking about, though, Andy. I, maybe I just blanked it out of my head, but I cannot picture that person. I just, you know, one of the dark but he might be a qt marshall student i don't know oh probably yeah yeah it was quieter though uh, was this was this one of the weeks they taped or was this live this was live okay maybe they're taking more precautions than usual i, I don't know i don't like you know or maybe they just needed everybody to be creepers later <laughs> that's true that's true. Well, normally um, uh, Sean Spears and uh, MJF and Wardlow are out there, but were they doing other stuff tonight? Well, Wardlow and MJF were 
probably preparing for their segment later, but Sean Spears should have been out there betting. Was maybe Spears was like hanging out with Tully in the, in the like out in the audience watching matches from afar. Yeah, that's possible because I'm assuming Tully is trying to keep his distance. Perhaps, yeah. I'm surprised but, Jake isn't. Regardless, uh, this match was, you know, whatever. Cody retained, but uh, the stuff after the match was the stuff that we should actually talk about. That is true. So, <laughs> after the match, the Dark Order show up, and it's John Silver and Alex Reynolds, the Clean Beavers. They come from the stage and come in. And Warhorse tries to, I guess, show his loyalty, and he pushes Cody out of the way to prevent him from getting attacked, and then tries to take on the Dark Order boys himself, but he is quickly dispatched. And then they go after Cody. Those two go after Cody. Cody's getting beaten up, and then somebody else runs to the rescue, and his name is Matt Cardona. And I had to struggle really hard not to say Zack Ryder, because that is all I see when I look at him. Matt Cardona, looking maybe as jacked as ever. It's true. Uh, he and was enormous. He, he ripped his shirt off like it was like made of tissue paper. He was not Mike Tyson. No, he was not Mike Tyson. He, he probably gimmicked that shirt, though. Well, yeah, he's smart. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the back of Hulk Hogan's shirts in the 80s, they're all like pre-cut. Yeah. No, that's I'm I support that. I just can't believe Mike yeah. Tyson wasn't in on it. He was too high. <laughs> but uh yeah, Matt Cardone is here to be uh, you know, a wrestler and probably like toy ambassador for the brand. So that's going to be his name, Matt Cardona. Yeah. And he's Zack Ryder. In WWE he was Zack Ryder. And he's Matt Cardona. Correct. I'm never going to remember that. I mean, you probably will eventually. I mean, you barely knew who Zack Ryder was. Right. <laughs> I feel like it should be more difficult for this Megan. It's like and I. a lot of names. It's two names. One of it's which four names. One of which you never really knew. It's true. I think it's hard because it's just a real person name. It's not a wrestler name. Matt Cardona. It's. Uh, forgettable. It is, but I'm I, I, so I'm a bad test case because I listened to the the he and the uh, well now Brian Myers, but the formerly Kurt Hawkins uh, action figure podcast, and uh, so I you know I hear them refer to each other as Matt and Brian all the time now. So. Wait, so is that his real name, Matt Cardona? Yeah. Oh, okay. That is forgettable. <laughs> I mean, no offense to him, but that's why you pick a wrestling name that's a little more interesting, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> he, just, he just sounds like he's an Italian kid from Long Island, which he is. <laughs> like, Matt, he couldn't even be, like, the situation. He's, like, al- like, he's always ready, Matt Cardona. <laughs> no, that's not very good. Megan, it's I like, want... It's like a Boy Scout, be prepared. <laughs> Megan, I need to hear uh, th- thoughts on nine years on the former Zack Ryder, who was, you know, one of your big favorites back in the day, getting uh, getting a shot with another company. Uh, I'm happy for him because back in the day I was a big fan because he, he was a scrapper. He made his own way with WWE, putting up barriers the whole time. And then when he finally got over 
enough that he was forced to they they had to like put him on their program they did some real stupid stuff with him i think to punish him for being over so i appreciate his his drive and i'm glad he is still doing his thing and found success outside of wwe i do question where he's going to fit in here at aew like i think he's totally capable and he was introduced as cody's friend matt so you know like i picture him as a mid-tier guy and they don't really do much with their mid-tier people right now so i'm just curious what the plan is for him unless you're a tag team yeah well but so that's one thing that was happening during the match is cody continued his heelish behaviors which makes me think that he's going to turn heel but matt cardona appears to be a nice face boy right now so i'm just i'm just wondering the direction because i initially started thinking okay if cody is showing tendencies and he's the tnt champ with this open challenge like they could take him up to the brink of becoming a heel and then bring in somebody like a um a big name relatively speaking face to come in and defeat him and by taking away his championship finally cause that snap so that he can go full heel and there's a reason to hate him and he he's not a champion anymore so i don't know i you know like I don't know if I'm just projecting that and it doesn't make any sense or it could never happen, but now he's got a buddy. So I hope they do good things. I just also thought of the rest of the mid-card and how I haven't seen many of them on a Dynamite recently. So, I I maybe have a theory. Do tell. You were right about the 10-man thing at the beginning. (laughs) That's not a theory, that's just a fact. Um... So, what I've seen in this company is they like to have people go all the way to being a heel, but not fully turn them. So, is this their way of bringing in, like, a good guy, buddy pal, to not fully turn Cody? So, like, maybe Cody still acts like a heel, but he can never fully become a heel because he's got this nice guy buddy. Until he turns on him? No, like, I've never seen AEW turn anyone. Like, think about Adam. He's been, he was teetering for months. He never turned. Think about Matt Jackson. He's never turned. What about Kenny? Not turned. Cody? Not turned yet. So, like, I think they like to, like, string us along and, like, have people be these multifaceted characters. Sean Spears turned on Cody. But that was before Dynamite started. Okay, yeah. So no one's actually turned on Dynamite. MJF. But we always knew he was a bad guy. Yeah, I, mean, I because was we watched... thinking about that one, Megan, but I think Jenny's right. I think I don't even think that one counts. Like, because even right. the, like, announcers, like Jim Ross and and, uh, and the other two, were always, like... <laughs> <laughs> Cody Jim was Ross the only and one stupid guys. enough to believe in MJF. Right, right. <laughs> but, like, the announcers, like, knew, and it was, like, you know, they were always talking to us, the audience, of, like, can you believe how Cody's trusting this guy? Yeah. I guess you're right. I can't think of anybody else. So I think they like to... I think 
and I appreciate this about AEW, they like to have multifaceted characters because, as we know, humans are not all good and not all evil. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. But I wonder if they're just going to have Cody continue to act heel but not fully turn him because they've paired them with this nice guy. Okay. I hope you're wrong on this one. I want a full heel Cody. I, I feel like, I think, Jenny, you're right so far, but I also think that it's untenable for them to never turn anybody heel, so I think it's probably going to happen to somebody sooner or later. I mean, but it's been almost a year. Yeah, but, you know, maybe that's, like, about the cadence it should be. A slow burn? Yeah. Maybe. I also liked, I think it was Andy who mentioned it, a long time ago um, when the prospect of Matt Cardona showing up was first mentioned like teaming him up with Sean Spears and ending the search for Spears and having them do a thing because to me that I could see him fitting in to that as a tag team very well and then maybe he would get more TV time and so would Sean Spears so that made sense I think I sort of clung to that and so it's weird to see him running in as the Cody savior on this one. But that could happen, so if they fully turn Cody, then his friend would turn too, and if Sean's already a heel, then they could become a tag team. Yeah. But Cody, in character, even if he would be heel, would still be mad at Sean Spears, so even if he's heel and Sean Spears is heel, they still could never be friends because Sean cut him open. Well, then they could have the dynamic, like, the elite on BTE where Cody comes in, came in and you were like, I hate Cody, he's being a mean boy to all the ones I like. Uh, but then they turned out to be friends. He's just scheming within the friendship. I don't know that he ever fully became friends with Kenny. <laughs> See? He's good at it. He's good at that Kenny knew. Kenny knew that what dynamic. Cody was doing. <laughs> Kenny knew that, Co- that Cody was trying to use Matt and Nick's friendship. Mm-hmm. And he did. And now that he has what he wants, he's not friends with them anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think it's important to note that Matt Cardona, I think, deserves to be here. It's not his fault that WWE booked him into oblivion for 10 years. We know that he is a talented guy. We know that he is a guy who can get himself over. And, in fact... Not only is he friends with Cody, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks owe him a debt of gratitude because I don't think without Zack Ryder there ever would have been a Be the Elite. Why? Because he pioneered that, like yeah, he, YouTube. He, he pioneered wrestler vlogging with uh, Z True Long Island Story way back in 2011, which was what, like five, six years before Being the Elite ever even started. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like the the first one to do it and I think probably the only one for a really long time. It's not even like it caught on quickly then. No, like Sammy started in 2015. I'm sure there's lots of people along the way who have started and fallen off quickly, but you know, for like people who have really kept at it, it's like him and he did 100 episodes of his show and then Sammy has been at it for a little longer than than even BTE has and then there's BTE. So I think you can draw a straight line from 
the true Long Island story to be in the elite. Yeah, I, I, I'm not against. I almost said Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona <laughs> being here at all. I just I do wonder where he'll be. I do wish that we saw, like, they use Dark for more of their mid card and people who you don't see on Dynamite every week. I think that might be my true frustration. Is just I don't know what segments they're going to stick him in that show up on Dynamite regularly, unless he does end up being like Cody's sidekick or Cody's teammate and all that sort of thing. So I'm just curious. We know that next week he's going to get off to a decent start as he is going to be teaming with Cody against the Clean Beavers, Reynolds and Silver. Yes, which in olden days would strike me as a dark match. Uh, not not for Matt Cardona's first match, though. No, I think if Dark was what it used to be, he would have shown up there first. Oh, you think so? Yeah. You don't think he's big enough for a dynamite pop? I just feel like they used to bring people into Dark first because also to hype people for Dark, and then once they did stuff there, brought them up to dynamite. And not, it's not like you're not good enough for Dynamite. I just think they're using Dark differently than they, they used to. Now it's just a method of upping people's win stats. I, I, I have to say I disagree with you, Megan. I, I don't think there's any chance he would have debuted on Dark, but I think that we will probably find him, uh, uh, you know, kind of padding his record on Dark over the next uh, several months. Okay. If, if not debut, then at least, like, had a decent Dark run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All I'm saying is Dark used to mean something. It and did. if they, they couldn't fit him on Dynamite, you wouldn't forget about him because they'd be putting him on Dark every week instead. Yeah, I, I would have seen him debuting on Dynamite, but having the majority of his matches on Dark. I really just want classic Dark back, you know? I know. We want a lot of classic things back. <laughs> It's so true. <sighs> well, Matt Cardona, good luck to you. I hope things go well. I'm curious to see where your angle fits in. Um, yeah. We're going to go from his debut to what appears to be like just a ringside announcement from Tony about the next pay-per-view, which is all out on November 5th. Mark your calendars. It was like he was just going to talk about the existence of All Out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he called it like a special Saturday or a surprise Saturday or something. Um, but he starts to talk about All Out, and before he's forced to come up with any content around it or more further explanation, the inner circle bust in and interrupt him, led by Chris Jericho, obviously. Um, they are furious as a group about what's been going on with them for the last couple weeks. And, you know, obviously, Jericho's wearing his white jacket that is stained orange because Orange Cassidy has been, you know, just harassing him nonstop and pouring orange juice all over him. Almost as if he was provoked by something, but they don't mention that part. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're going to do something about it. Uh, There's going to be a rematch between Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy in two weeks. And Jericho claims, I don't know how he's going to enforce this, but he claims that when he wins, 
Orange is going to have to stand in the middle of the ring and give Chris Jericho $7,000 for that white jacket that he ruined. So, I guess, I we'll see. Um, and then, prior to that match, coming up next week, there is going to be a debate between Orange Cassie, since he's so chatty, and Chris Jericho with an unnamed special moderator. Who do you think the moderator is going to be? I, I don't know. Like, somebody who's loyal to Jericho, obviously, but... Oh God, not Luther. I think every... <laughs> Do you think Luther's loyal to Jericho? I mean, and for reals. Oh. I I don't know. Did you have a guess? I really don't. Do you think it's possible somebody will be introduced to Dynamite this way? Yes, although I couldn't see it being like. I could see it be like a, a like a non wrestler, like an older person, or like you know. What about like were any announcers cut? Will it be Renee Young? It will not be Renee Young. <laughs> um, were any announcers cut? I don't think so. Well, actually, some were furloughed. I believe Nigel McGinnis was furloughed. So, I, I just I don't expect. But it to he's be still Nigel stuck McGinnis in either. Britain. I don't know where he went. He lives in America, I think. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Maybe California? He was doing... Or, all the, he was doing... Yeah. Yeah, I think he lives in Los Angeles. I think you're right, Megan. So that should be interesting. But again, I'm assuming it's one of Jericho's buddies. That is kind of the biggest message Jericho had about what was going on. Um, Sammy did give us some Spanish. It wasn't Spanglish. Like on BT, it was Spanish. <laughs> uh, in case you were wondering, <laughs> Spanish for son of a bitch is... Son of El Bitch. Do you think that that was improv by both of them, or do you think that they had planned that out? Oh, I could see it being improv. Yeah, I think improv. And we know that Sammy doesn't speak Spanish. Right. I love that about him. I know, right? <laughs> it's, it's like my favorite He is the Spanish my... god. Yeah. Son of El Bitch. Oh. It's, you know, like, again... He said a shitty thing four years ago. I'm so glad to have Sammy back on TV. Him, him, like out there singing along to to uh, uh, Judas uh, in the opener was just uh, it made me made me realize what we'd been missing. Though I do think that um, maybe the locker room punished him a bit for his comments when he was in the corner and one after another dove into him. I see you got that out of that. I did not. You didn't. I, just, I, just I thought, kind of thought that. I just thought like, oh, the guy who's best at taking bumps is back. No, <laughs> like I, I was like, oh, I, I think they might be like putting a little to him of like, you, you son of a bitch. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> it's Spanish, not French. <laughs> son of a bitch. Mercy bow cups. <laughs> <laughs> Your French is. Beautiful. C'est magnifique. <laughs> Jericho, his coat is covered in oranges. But, according to Santana, it smells like cat pee. Um, okay. Ew, that he's re-wearing this jacket. 
And yeah, have you never heard of dry cleaning? I mean, it's real gross. Um, but also, I feel like he put more, like, orange food coloring. I think he, like, added orange food coloring to his jacket this week. Good, I would. Because last week, it just looked dirty. Kind of like, um, not OJ. Orange Cassidy's, um, shirt, where it just looked brown instead this, of red. blood-stained shirt. Yeah. Um, and, and Chris even, like... Admitted to it. It's because blood oxidizes. Well, yeah. Well, I understand what happened. Yeah. yeah but, like, Chris so was even, like... So does juice. It looks like <laughs> even more orange this week than it has in the past. Because he uses demon orange juice. Yes, Orange Cassidy has demon orange juice. He has access to it. He flies it in from somewhere. Parts unknown. Alright. Um... Other than that, did you catch the really gross thing Jericho said? I don't think so. He said he is one of the greatest orators of all time, and since as he's talking this evening, you might call you might as well call it Ladies' Night. Oh. To which oh, I was like, yeah. I just barfed. I just barfed. Gross. I loved it because because and this is a this is a demo god joke because uh, the show is doing very well in uh, in Young Women. Now, I did actually, I would like you to fact check this, because the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills had their Rome vacation on last night. Okay. Will you fact check? Basically the Super Bowl. Yeah, like, the, the Real Housewives trips are the Super Bowls. Now, unfortunately, Beverly Hills is not that great of a show anymore. What am I fact checking? Uh, his segment here versus Bravo. Oh, I don't have quarter hours. Now also, and guys, I certainly don't have Bravo quarter hours. <laughs> now also, what you're missing is you took that as like a total ratings reference. What I took it as and was like an oral sex reference. Oh, oh God. no, I, it was it was a total ratings reference. Oh, are you God. sure? I'm 100 percent sure, Megan. Okay, you talked about being a great orator. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't think. Does that? Does that? And then they oh. cut to a, a female oh. roster member. He didn't say he the... was a. He didn't say he was a cunning linguist. No, he didn't. I feel like he couldn't have gotten that past. Oh but no! They did, Megan, they I did didn't cut, even pick up on that. They did cut to one of the female wrestlers in the crowd, and she had a look on her face that was like, "Ugh!" And she was given the thumbs down sign. I and think it that was, was just like, "Women don't like you. You're wrong. You're a mean heel." Well, I took it more as like, please don't talk about oral sex. Gross. I think, I think Megan, I think your mind's just in the gutter, unfortunately. Man, oh, Megan, I did sure not is. get that from that. <laughs> it for Maybe sure I'm is. naive. You are. <laughs> Outside of this, Jenny. <laughs> My mind is both in the gutter and you are also naive. Like. <laughs> okay, well, I thought it was gross. Um, but I apparently read too far into it. I'm curious, though. I bet I'm not the only one. There's no way that he's good at that, because I don't see him being anything but selfish. Do you think that if he was bad at it, he'd be like, well, I try my best? Or he, you know, no one's going to be like, yeah, I'm pretty bad at it. Are you asking, like, is, is he just, like, loudly <laughs> proud that he doesn't do it? Like, um, like uh, oh, who is it who doesn't? DJ Khaled. DJ Khaled, yeah. <laughs> but very, see, that's he's very different. vocal about how he doesn't go downtown. He was loud and proud about just saying no at the start. Like he wasn't loud and proud about like I do my best, but I'm not good at it. I've gotten horrible <laughs> feedback. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I 
not get that. Oh no. Oh no. It's a Jenny Andy pour. Oh no. I could correct that, but. She's not going to. I'm not going to. No. So you poured it all the way to the top and then. Well, you I know what? love the Vista Brute. I have to say that. It's a great bottle. I Holy wish shit. I had gotten more than one bottle. I only got one because I hadn't had it before, and if I didn't like it, I didn't want a bunch of other bottles of it. It's incredible. It's wonderful. <laughs> and it's very, uh, listeners, it's very affordable. Uh, but depending on if you're a wine club member or not. I'm going to assume most of our listeners are not wine club members. Then it's a $40 bottle. Okay. Um, which Jenny's I mean, definition of affordable might be different. <laughs> Than yours, and that's totally okay. <laughs> Sorry. Well, for for a wine club member, it was thirty three, which I consider affordable in a bottle of wine. Yeah. Like it doesn't. <laughs> I just I'm trying to connect with like <laughs> the masses. <laughs> I don't know if maybe you're. Uh, Megan is the dusty roads of this podcast. <laughs> just trying to connect Jenny's with little people. Like, let Jenny, Jenny is definitely the Ric Flair of this podcast. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> but no, Vista Brew, oh, excellent. Yeah, I really like it. So, uh, to help our listeners visualize. Number one in the ratings last night for cable. Yeah. No. Yeah, it was yeah. the... It was the the trip everyone loves the trip and they were going to rome italia and um the big news about um brandy glanville sleeping with denise richards like spoilers brought up too it's pretty hot yeah i mean yeah yeah let's go to one of your favorites mega <gasps> yeah mega's here Mega's she is back. she is the legal counsel required for this official contract signing that FTR is about to do, and uh, I guess they just really wanted this pomp and circumstance, if you will. I, and by that I mean filming their contract signing in a conference room with Mega, but also Arn, because FTR said they wanted a team consultant, a tag team consultant here to oversee the signing, and that's where Arn comes in. So I guess between managing Cody and also being the tag team expert he's got a lot on his plate so he shows up he reviews the contract that FTR was given to make sure their requests that they had were included and those requests are that the 10 second rule be strictly enforced because they're for real <coughs> and also that there is a tag team rope available in all matches which they have removed from the Daily's Place. And I pointed this out to Andy so he could see it, because I know I talked about this a couple weeks ago. And you I'm did. guessing that they took it away for this very purpose. No. They've had it away for like a oh, like month and a half, two months. I think actually ever since the Daily's Place. Well, they've never had it at Daily's Place. Okay, but I, I feel like... I feel like that had something to do with wanting to do this angle with FTR and like enforcing strict tag team rules for their matches. They are planners, they say, mm-hmm. with their white claw duffel bags. Yep. <laughs> Always be prepared. <laughs> Tony Khan is a white claw Boy Scout. Yes. Um, in addition to these two requests, though, they also want to 
be the hosts of a tag team appreciation night, which is currently scheduled for August 12th, because that was included. Um, So it looks like everything's good to go. No questions. FTR signs their contracts. And as they're like basically signing that dotted line, Adam Page wanders in. He has four glasses in hand and a bottle of whiskey. And he says, hey guys, so happy. Just wanted to celebrate with you. And he originally bought or brought the one glass for Tony, but since Arn showed up, he passes it on to him. Sorry, Tony. So Adam, um, he pours the way Jenny pours champagne. He gave FTR, uh, both those guys, about the standard shot level drink, and he filled his glass all the way to the top. Hell yeah, Adam, you do you. But it's whiskey, so that's that's a lot. Cash uh, took a sip of his and said immediately, said, oh, that's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> See, after a Jenny champagne pour, no one ever says that. Well, no. no, but they probably get through it as quickly as Cash and Dax got through theirs. So, um, Adam is friends with FTR, and also they're officially signed, as if we, I guess, didn't consider them part of AEW. They are officially part. Yes, and now they can be ranked in the top five, which was a a sticking point yesterday on social media. Yesterday morning and early afternoon, the rankings came out. Um, One of them, I forget if it was Dax or Cash, said that, what do we got to do around here to get to get to get uh, ranked and tony khan replied sign your contracts so so everything they've they've done up to now doesn't like count right or is it retroactive i think i think they'll still have a record okay yeah okay well good for them yeah they're in and they got to meet mega i mean that's that's they would love to meet mega i know Maybe we could do something that would cause AEW to sue us. This is a bad plan. I'm going to step in right now and officially distance myself from this plan. And any future plans where Jenny claims I was involved. Let's get a whiteboard out. <laughs> How to antagonize AEW's legal team. In order to meet my guy. Aliens, 1979. <laughs> oh, I enjoyed this pro- very much, all this uh, FTR business here. Yeah, they're cool. I didn't expect to like FTR as much as I have so far. Mm-hmm. All right, so they're officially signed. Adam's Adam was there celebrating, but I guess that was earlier because we go to the ring and Adam is actually part of the next match. It is the Dark Order, which is Stu Grayson and Evil Uno for this one, versus Adam Page and Kenny Omega, also affectionately known on this podcast as Mega Hung. And this one is for the AEW World Tag Team Championship, currently held by Mega Hung. Mega Hung retains... Adam Page gets to pin Evil Uno after he and Kenny do the last shot. And what did you guys, before we get into the aftermath of this all, what did you guys think of the match itself? I really enjoyed the match. Um, it wasn't like, it wasn't a high-end mega-hung match, but it was, it was very good. And 
it was one of the most enjoyable times I've had watching uh, this Dark Order combo. I really enjoyed my extra hour of sleep. I did not see the rest of Dynamite. Oh, I okay. felt like nothing could get better than Mega. So I went to bed. <laughs> All right. She is your John Cena. <laughs> Once you've seen her match, you just leave. I gotcha. <laughs> Um, okay, I, I mean, I'll agree with Andy. I thought this was an entertaining match. It wasn't their best, but also, like, they're fighting Dark Order, so I think they accomplished what they needed to accomplish out there. Yeah, totally. And uh, I very much enjoyed the commentary with Colt Cabana uh, sitting in and, and expressing that he hasn't joined the Dark Order. He's just hanging out. <laughs> Yeah, he's um he's got his tone nailed really. Like I I think he's so good at putting over like he was putting over the dark order throughout, but not in a like obnoxious dare I say Taz way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um it was very it, it fit and also it had the tone of like being naive and kind of not really aware of what Darkness is in this cult for real. He just thinks they're on a good mission. Yes, he's very Pollyanna about the whole thing. And speaking yeah. of Anna, Anna Jay was out there uh, wearing a wearing a uh, like a masquerade mask. Huh. Jr. forgot Thanks. to mention that she was out there. She wasn't even on screen when someone finally had to be like, "Wasn't that Anna Jay?" <laughs> Maybe well, she... Excalibur was supposed to mention her. Yeah. Gosh, nobody's picking up that Excalibur slack here at all. Uh, but Anna Jay also got dwarfed by Brody Lee, who was also out there. And at, at one point, he just literally stood in front of her. And because he's so large, she she just disappeared behind him. I noticed that, too. And when they came back from commercial break, I thought maybe that they would have corrected that because somebody would have said, like, hey, you know, like, let's, like, reblock this during the break. But they did not. They <laughs> just, we got back from the other side of the commercial break and they were still standing in the same places. So I guess they decided it wasn't important for her to be seen uh, this week. It wasn't important enough for them to, like, mention it either, even though we didn't even know that she officially joined the Dark Order. We just knew that the one day she kind of wandered off with them. Well, I guess this was us finding out that she joined the Dark Yeah, Order. but they didn't do a very good job of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, in addition to that, uh, there were spectators who were highlighted during this match, um, just so we know they're out there watching. The Young Bucks, obviously, because Kenny and Adam are their friends, but also they cut to Kazarian a few times, and he has a singles person I guess was watching this because Christopher Daniels was not around so I don't know if this is to imply that he may have some future issues with the Dark Order but he's watching. Yeah I didn't really know what to make of that. I, I more looked at it as he is a tag team wrestler and this is a tag team title match so he's scouting. I Yeah I guess that's a good explanation. He's doing his homework. Um... Adam Skyron this week, just, I don't want to forget about it. It said, didn't like the white wrist tape. <laughs> He's still one with water. it, though. Well, sometimes you got to use what you have. Yeah. Also, Jenny, he just turned 29 on Monday. So, 
Happy belated birthday. Happy birthday, Adam. <laughs> I believe the Spanish god turned 27 yesterday. Oh, God. They're just, they're babies. <laughs> I was, I, like, Adam seems just perfect. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, I, Andy, how did you interpret the... I felt like they were trying to imply at the beginning that maybe Kenny and Adam aren't on the same page because Adam came out first, like he had his entrance first, and he was out in the ring, and then Kenny's entrance started, and before he made it to the ring, the Dark Order attacked Adam, and he fought back, and then Kenny looked kind of mad about it. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, uh, my interpretation was Kenny was just, yeah, exactly like you said, what are you doing? Like, this was unavoidable, or this was avoidable, I should say. Wait, but if they attacked Adam first, then how was that avoidable? No, Adam kind of, like, Antagonism. just went for it, yeah. Oh. Okay, and then Colt took this opportunity also on commentary to say, like, man, Kenny really seemed like he was taking a sweet time to get there. Yeah, let's def- we should definitely blame Kenny over Adam for any fault. <laughs> Agreed. Okay. Okay. Uh, but later in the match, Adam did offer up a two-handed high-five, and Kenny was into it and gave it to him. So I, I think they're okay. It just seemed like initially they were trying to pit them against each other a little bit. Megan, did you know that when you go for a high-five, you should look at the other person's elbow instead of yes. their hand? so you don't miss. After the match is when the real action happened, and this is when, like, immediately after the pin, Brody Lee kind of shuffled Colt and Anna Jay away from the announce table and into the back because he, you know, dad's got to take care of some business and... He's first. He doesn't want them to see how the sausage is made. Exactly. Yeah, he didn't need anything, Jenny, don't worry. But he did hit Evil Uno with the pile of papers that he had in his hand and then shoved Stu Grayson around. And when Adam had the audacity to laugh at this weird cult punishment... Brody got on the mic and he called him out and he's just like you think that's funny Adam Uh, I'm so glad that your friends are with you today because I just want you to know that the Dark Order is everywhere and at this point 510 and various other uh, foot soldiers of the Dark Order all appear around the ring they come in from the, the outside and they just kind of stand there in that way like we're gonna attack you but you don't know when so Kenny and Adam are in the ring, ready to go, and the young bucks run down to join them to make sure they have sort of decent numbers. And then before anyone can attack, FTR runs out and they've got their cooler full of beer and ice, and they hit. Uh, I think it was like ten, maybe. No, One of Brody. the. Uh... Oh, did they hit him directly? They okay. Hit Brody with the big styrofoam breakaway cooler. Oh, that's which like I guess is loud. just their thing now. Yeah, that's their weapon. <laughs> How much of a weapon is that? It's like a fake trash can. When we get FTR, when we get the FTR two pack from uh, Jazzwares Toys, that better be the accessory. Oh hell yeah! I'm Jenny. I guess think like the cooler is styrofoam, but all the ice in it. Like if you just got slapped with a bag of ice, don't you think that would hurt? Oh, a bag of ice, yes, because those things are like five pounds. But that cooler is just full of. A bag of ice, essentially. A squirrel through an acorn? 
onto me on my walk today, and it hit the back of my neck, and it really hurt. What do you mean a squirrel threw an acorn at your neck? It it did. From a tree. He took aim. He took aim, and it threw it at me, and it hit the back of my neck, and it hurt. How do you know? Because I got hit with an acorn on the back of my neck, and I looked up, and there's a fucking squirrel up there with his little hand. you think the squirrel, like, hurled it at you? Yes. You don't think it was an accident? No, it felt malicious. You don't think it just, like, fell from the tree? Felt malicious. Why would the, the squirrel, why, well, squirrels was, love acorns? Why yeah. would he get rid of it? Because it was well, that's malicious. That's a good question. That's why it wasn't an accident. Otherwise, he would have eaten the acorn instead of thrown it at me. Huh. Okay. <laughs> All right. I was well, attacked. Picture, sounds like it. What if, what if that squirrel had a full-on cooler that was full of ice and he just hit you in the back of the head with that? I'm sure that would have hurt too, especially coming from a tree. Yeah, so that's where we're at with this. So FTR and the Elite are friends? Well, are they friendly with Kenny now? I don't um, know. Maybe Adam makes up for Kenny. Okay, kind of like um, uh, the generic man's name with Cody. Matt Cardona. I, I really like the, like the kind of the inter the uh, the interwoven fabrics of all these friendships and relationships like like FTR and Adam are cool and Adam and Kenny are cool but Adam and the Bucks aren't cool but FTR and the Bucks seem cool but you can tell that there's some shit there too like some like you know unspoken stuff going on but they're trying to be on the same page and Kenny and FTR are not cool yeah, it's really like I'm watching a Real Housewives yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I love it. I love the complexity yeah. of it. So I, 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 Me I, too. I have no idea where it's going. I can't predict. I can't predict like who's going to end up on which side, and you know, what's going to be the fallout. Only the White Claw knows. That's true. Yeah, because on BTE, when Adam asked them for a beer. He sounded tentative, almost like he was asking them on a date and wasn't sure what they were going to say. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you think and then I think he was Adam relieved when they were like, yeah. People at, would ask people out if he wasn't married? Like nervously? Like he's yeah. afraid that they're going to say no? Yeah. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> God. I do. Hey, Megan. Okay. I, lo- I love that. Before uh, Jenny gets too lost in her fantasy about Adam approaching her. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say I really enjoy that the uh, the papers bit has crossed over from BTE Dark Order to Dynamite Dark Order. Yeah, me too. Like that's his thing. It's not as it's not as devastating on Dynamite as it is on Being the Elite, but it was still nice to see. Yeah, I mean they knew to be afraid of it. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. I, I enjoy the Dark Order these days, I will say. I heard the hesitation, but I think they're, like, at least steering it in a better direction. We'll see. Uh, let's go ringside with Britt Baker. Lest you forget, she's always right there by the announce table, sending Tony secret uh, passive-aggressive messages. Um... 
at this point in time, she decides she wants to say something to Big Swole, so she sends Tony a line, and I guess that gets her a microphone. So she says... She knows Big Swole's suspension won't last forever because, in fact, Big Swole is part of the tag team tournament coming up, which we'll talk more about in in a minute, Um, and that she's totally fine with that. She's willing, as a role model, to give Big Swole a shot at her, but the condition is that Big Swole must beat an opponent of Brit's choice. She does not say who that opponent is. She's just putting out there that that's her condition. That was, uh, someone already did that condition. MJF with Wardlow. Yeah, it's, that's a, it's a trope. Um, Megan, did you immediately think that it's going to be Rebel? I thought it's possible, but I wondered if Rebel was, like, does Brit think think enough of of Rebel? Yeah, like it's that's, like okay, she doesn't even think enough of her to call her by the right name. That's what that's what I was thinking though. Um that like she probably doesn't really think enough of her to do, you know, to do that. It's probably going to be Nyla. Nyla's got other stuff going on. Mm. She doesn't care about Brit. I no. I mean, do you think that like like Rebel's a wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. What about Awesome Kong? Will she come back? I don't know. She's still hurt. I mean, it would make sense for it to be Rebel, but I don't think Britt thinks enough of Rebel. Yeah. Yeah, I don't either. But, like, maybe... Like, maybe Britt will pick someone without asking them, assume that, obviously, because Britt's asking them, they will do it, and then Rebel will have to step up when they turn Britt down. Yeah, because that was going to be my thing of, like, Britt doesn't have any authority to create any matches. No. She'll just bother Tony with um, cards until he does something about it. Right. Well, it's, like, not that MJF had any authority, but he just made it be his lackey. Well, MJF was targeting, like, an EVP of the company who wanted him to shut his mouth, so... True. He just bothered him enough to get that going. I don't know that Britt has the same power, but she probably thinks she does. Well, I'm sure she thinks she does. Yeah, there was no timeline put on this either, so um, we didn't even get like a like a scheduled for next week. Big Swole versus a mystery opponent. I guess it'll have to be after the tag team cup tournament because I'm assuming that she is quote-unquote like suspended until that time so wait has it been a month yet because her suspension was for a month i don't think it's been a month yet i don't think so either but probably soon monday by monday well i assume that not all of the matches are going to happen on monday i guess that's true although who Um, knows the way they book dark yeah we'll get to that you know, you're going to have to watch this thing on Monday. What thing on Monday? The the, the women's tag team tournament. Why is that on Monday? I thought that was on... Wait, 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 yeah. wait. Yes, pop. yes. <laughs> no, it's fine. Look, this was the segment after the next match, but realistically, let's just talk about it now because also the next match is kind of eh. So, um, Jenny, the announcement today on this show 
was that the Deadly Draw Women's Tag Team Cup Tournament is occurring on Monday on YouTube. Fuck you. Yep. Fuck you and what you think of women, Tony Khan. That was my thought. (laughs) AEW. Fuck you. I'm not watching this. Okay. This should fucking be a dynamite event. Think more of women. Yeah, we had our stupid TNT championship on TV. Like, fucking do this tag team cup tournament. (laughs) Andy? Um, (laughs) Any thoughts? (laughs) My thought was, like, maybe they'll do the first round on... They didn't do that with the TNT championship. I didn't say they did. I said... This isn't even for a championship. Like, this is bullshit. (laughs) Jenny's impassioned. uh, Glory Farrar-driven rage. I get it. (laughs) So, yeah. The women are on YouTube. Andy, you had a thought? Um. Yeah, I think next up was uh, Karashita versus Diamante. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so Diamante is back at it, trying to prove herself. Before the match, we get a video promo of her, and she basically just like breaks down who she is. Diamante, I believe she says Cuban Diamond. And she's had 10 years experience in the biz on the indies, and as unsigned talent here today, she has everything to prove. So, still unsigned, I guess this is her tryout match, officially. I, like, I liked her video promo. Yeah, she, um, like, she seems like she's got it, you know, like, everything. Uh, it's just her match with Ivelisse last week was not great. Uh, which is weird, because apparently they work together a decent amount, but who knows what goes on. Um, but yeah, she is here to face Hikaru Shida, and she thinks this is, like, her big opportunity. And unfortunately, she does not get the win that she wants. Hikaru Shida wins with her running strike, and that is that. But I didn't think Diamante had a bad showing this time around. Just, the match was just kind of, it was just kind of nothing. Yeah, but it wasn't nothing in the way last week. It was kind of bad. <laughs> it was better than last week. Yes, you're right. Um, it didn't. It didn't like. It wasn't like sloppy like last week. Except yeah. for except for. Um, I think Diamante did go for a code red at one point, and then like it was like it was in slow motion, and then and then Sheeta ended up just kind of rolling to the ropes <laughs> instead of like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, like honestly. Okay, it was like, like that was one spot. Um, yeah, yeah. The, re- the rest of the match was fine. Yeah. There was also a great moment at the finish oh. where Tony, uh, I'm sorry, not Tony, where Jr. was, I think he was like about to criticize Karashita for not taking this opponent uh, seriously enough, the way he had uh, kind of chastised Cody in the opener, or not the opener, but in the TNT title match. But mm-hmm. as he was chastising her, she she hit the running knee and pinned Diamante. So. <laughs> oh, Jr. Yeah. If Excalibur were there, he would have. He would have I, handled it. I, yeah, I think the I, I think that honestly, I think however the show is laid out, these like Jr. was not ready to be the lead commentator tonight. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. 
you do all your prep and then you show up and uh oh yeah here's Taz but yeah uh, I don't think Diamante is bad I wonder if this is enough to get her signed or if like she's proving herself but I definitely thought this was better than last week I bet she'll be in the tournament Oh. No one will see the tournament because it's on fucking YouTube. Oh shit, she's right though. I thought this we, was gonna be. An, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm truly upset by this. They it didn't feels even like give a, a time. Personal slap in the face. It's Where confusing. Where is AEW heels? What the fuck was that? That was nothing. That was like a a fucking shirt that they tried to do. Like I. I feel so belittled as a woman. Just in general? Yes. <laughs> Not by AEW in particular. By AEW. <laughs> okay. I think it's just hilarious that they can't work in one or two women's tournament matches per show for the next couple weeks. Like, how it's not hilarious, it? it's pathetic. Well, yeah, I meant hilarious in, like, a sad way of, like, really, you put this together and you can't even put it on your show proper? Don't even do it if you're gonna do it half-assed like this. God, I hope someone from AEW listens to our podcast. I'm infuriated by this. It's certainly not a great look. I feel like, why bother? Yeah. Well, I was excited to talk about the next segment, but uh... the cup looks cool. Uh, no, let's let's talk excitedly about the next segment because stuff happens. And Jenny, even in your frustration, I am so curious about your thoughts on this because it sounds like Andy was excited, but I'm I just need to hear. So, getting past all the AEW uh, women stuff, cup issues, um, let's go backstage. Dasha is there with Nyla Rose and her new manager, Vicky Guerrero, in case you forgot. And she is back here to talk about the tournament. And she says, hey, Nyla, who are you looking forward to being your partner? Because the way this all works is that every entrant, I guess is what you call them. Yeah, every person who's in this tournament is going to pick a color randomly so that's the like deadly draw part of it and then the two people with the same colors get put together as a team so this is how you're forming these random tag teams and Nyla's like doesn't even bother trying to answer instead Vicky steps in and says it doesn't matter who Nyla's partner is obviously she's gonna take care of business so Nyla chooses her color turns out to be purple it's a poker chip purple and with zero like fanfare context or anything Ariane slash maybe you know her better as Cameron from the WWE walks into frame and is like I've also chosen purple slash fuck no I don't know her better as Arias Cameron because she is Ariane Andrews Total Divas legend I loved Ariana Wait, Ariana. 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 Okay, she doesn't have any at the end. I'm sorry. It's been a while since she's been on Total Divas. I loved her on Total Divas. Her and her despicable me boyfriend. 
Oh my god. Vincent is his name? Yeah. <laughs> his name was Vinny or yeah. Vincent. Vincent it was, yeah. Do you... She just brought so much energy to that show. And she had herself a grand old time in any episode she was in. Do you remember, Megan, the episode where she was considering getting breast implants? And she walked around for the entire episode <laughs> yeah. just with those, like, uh, the plastic balls Stuck of in... silicone or whatever it is? They were. She had the actual fake boobs, like yes. the silicone implants. And she put them in her bra. And also she jumped into a pool and one of them popped out. And then... The Bellas stole one of them yeah. so that when she went out on Raw, her boobs were misshapen. Yes. Goddamn meanie twins. I mean, <laughs> she had herself the best time with those little plastic boobs. It was like like a kid with a cardboard box. Like it was so delightful to watch. I I really enjoyed her. Her like her credit um, or like entrance, not entrance, but like her opening credit thing where she's like the face and the camera <laughs> the camera <laughs> it's like oh my the god camera yeah she had some very hilarious highlights on total divas she was great so megan i i i, I hope that this was not spoiled for you when you watched this afternoon no um but also like with zero preparation it was like what? <laughs> like, I wasn't upset. I was mostly just confused. It's like, wait, what? Out of nowhere? Okay, I guess I was, we're doing this. I was deeply excited. I didn't even know she still wrestled, to be honest with you. She doesn't. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. She hasn't wrestled since she left WWE in 2016. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they're really, they're really searching uh, far and wide for talent for this tournament um but that's fine i'm i'm excited to see her like you know presumably i don't know like lose and then get beat up by nyla rose afterwards <laughs> yeah i mean honestly she's on the team with nyla rose who has in the past multiple times been like i'm not tagging in my partner i've got this <laughs> so she <laughs> probably isn't gonna have to do much <laughs> nyla rose is the reason that she, uh, leva bates has one win on her record She'll yeah. work the face in the camera. Yeah, she'll be on the apron doing her damn thing. Girl, bye. Girl, hi, apparently. Yeah, well, that was. She has to adjust for greeting or leaving, you know? <laughs> She's versatile. She should come up with an aloha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, this was this insane. Was yeah. Some may say that this was the best uh, debut of the evening. Oh, sorry, Matt. <laughs> I, uh, as as a uh, total deep as a TD's devotee, I would say uh, yes. Bring it, uh, Ariani Andrews. All right. Well, that should that should be really fun. But okay, so that happened. So if nothing else, hopefully that'll get Jenny to watch the YouTube version of this tournament. So MJF, I guess, is the president of wrestling. That is how we see him. He is a very important walk to the ring to start this address, during which, well, it starts out where he is summoned by Wardlow when he knocks on his door and there's a please knock sign on it. So Wardlow following protocol. MJF walks out. He is in a full suit with, of course, his burry scarf. Um, looks like a president, obviously. He immediately walks past a poster of himself on the wall it is him holding up his pinky finger with the diamond ring on it, 
and the caption is, we deserve better as an AEW champion. <laughs> okay. And then he moves on from that, and he has a member of his entourage literally place a piece of gum into his mouth for him, because he's too busy, I guess. He is stopped by a woman who has a clipboard. She presents to him, and he signs something as if he has any power over anything. And then he moves on, and as he's walking past another member of his entourage, he just pats his cheek patronizingly as he walks by. It was a lot up front. It was. It was. And the thing is, he goes to the ring, and then we're immediately put into picture-in-picture mode. So it goes silent, basically. And in that time, he walks across the stage, he waves, then he walks out around the ring so that he has a moment to greet his glorious fans. Various people have, like, MJF 2020 buttons and there's a sign he also takes a moment to kiss a very obviously fake baby that one of the people is holding on the outside enjoyed yeah he's really doing it and he makes his way finally into the ring and that's when we come out of picture in picture mode and he's we get that sound back so he can talk he's at a podium obviously because he's the president here and he starts his address so MJF mentions that people are probably shocked to see him here on Dynamite two weeks in a row because normally he's out in the crowd with the quote-unquote bench warmers. Now, the issue he has and the reason it's a surprise that he's here two weeks in a row is basically John Moxley and his championship reign. John Moxley as champion brings... A lot of negative aspects to the biz, apparently. So MJF is here to address them and to correct them. First point, wrestling. He asks, where is it? All he sees on this show is flipping. And he says Moxley is supposed to be the example. So bring the wrestling. And my question to MJF is like, Moxley doesn't exclusively flip i think moxley's actually more of like a wrestler so i'm not sure where this point lies but that that's what he says he just thinks like he'll be a better ambassador of actual wrestling less flips more kicks wait let me go back we have people doing that more questions um the second point mjf wants to bring up is that ratings are treated so importantly and Moxley is treated so well because he draws the ratings, but MJF disagrees with this. He does not think that's actually the case, and so obviously Moxley doesn't deserve all the pomp and circumstance he gets, which again, like, I don't, I don't think he does get stuff, but whatever, MJF. Um, but ultimately, MJF's message is that he can carry the company because his talent outweighs Moxley's tenure here. And he promises he will not stop until AEW is the pinnacle of professional wrestling instead of just being the alternative. There's a lot to unpack in this. Andy, thoughts? It's a lot of WWE references. <laughs> yes, I didn't because it was just like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, he called... I, I did enjoy... So, I am so torn about 
WWE references because sometimes I think it's Bush League, but sometimes they're just like funny, you know? So, um, and when he basically called Moxley a cosplay of Stone Cold Steve Austin, I thought that was funny. Yeah, I think MJF has, like, like with references, he's very good at weaving them in in a way that doesn't sound like he's jealous or desperate in the way that sometimes they come across. So I think he's he's good at that. And Megan, you'll be happy to know that um, the part of, of the promo where he was talking about how he has the, the better ratings than Moxley, he was lying. Oh, of course. Yeah. I didn't for a minute think that was true. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I thought, you know, I thought, you know, it was a good promo. It's too bad his hair looks so bad. But, uh, you know, it's just a good old-fashioned asshole heel promo. It was. I was mostly confused by, like, the tone, I guess. I thought MJF did really well. I thought this was really perfect. But I don't think it was perfect against Moxley because I just don't think that what he was saying really fits with what Moxley is anyway and also it kind of like this is his opening shot to say he wants to go after the champion and it just feels like we're four weeks in and there's a lot of backstory here that apparently we never saw it I mean the things he was saying about kind of being held down and everything like until he until he actually said the the thing about I think it was the thing about Stone Cold where I knew it for sure he was talking about Moxley I still like it, he was out there and I knew that he was going to challenge Moxley to a match at All Out because we've been talking about that for weeks mm-hmm. but the way he was talking and the words he was using I thought he was talking about Cody yeah it felt like he was talking about someone who has way more power and wields it in a way that I just I don't think, like, the way he was describing the champion prior to naming Moxley is not Moxley's championship reign, honestly. Like, I, he doesn't get special treatment. And, and if he does, he sh- certainly shrugs it off. It, like, it, it felt like it should have been Cody. Yeah, although, I mean, there is something to be said for he's a heel and you're supposed to think he's full of shit. Yeah, I guess. It just, it feels like it would have been so much stronger in that run where he was calling Cody out, and... It it did seem like a promo you could have just plopped back in February, like, leading up to their match at, at uh, whatever, Revolution. Yeah. It's hard, because it's like, I don't want to criticize it, because it was very good. I just think it wasn't positioned oh, well. I think this promo would have been better as a as a delusional heel promo about someone who's not even really like that if there wasn't someone who is like that in the company <laughs> that you could like like find replace his name with you know and, and it would make more sense as a promo yeah for like, sure like if cody didn't exist as cody exists now then i w- then we wouldn't have been thinking about cody the whole time he was getting this promo i guess yeah I, that i totally agree like yeah. that was the problem is I kept thinking, this just sounds like your beef with Cody. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, okay, MJF's going to challenge Moxley. I'm totally okay with that part. I just thought this was so 
off base as far as like promo it was done really well it just seems out of place yeah okay i can agree with that yeah so there you have it um at all out look for that mjf is going after that title uh, since John Moxley has faced thus far only hosses and defeated all of them, I hope that he doesn't lose to MJF. I don't think he's going to lose to MJF. I-, I can't picture it, but you never know. We'll see. So speaking of John Moxley, the main event is a no-DQ tornado tag match between... Darby Allen and John Moxley and Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. And what that means is basically that everyone's active all the time. There are no tags, so it's like just a four guy match, but with teams. Yeah. Um which I've never seen before, but I think JR said this is commonly referred to as a Texas tornado match. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this exists. This has been a thing. But not the Texas Tornado, Carrie Von Eric. May he rest in peace. Oh, That's so sad. Yeah. Dark Side of the Ring is really good, though. Yeah. Okay, so Darby and Moxley get the win, but, um... Let's just talk about leading up to that. Um, before the match, when Darby's music hits, he's nowhere to be found. He doesn't walk out, and... Uh, the commentary team keeps saying how they're having people backstage look for him, but nobody can find him. So, Taz at this point has already left the commentary team, and while Darby's away, we cut to backstage where Taz, Brian Cage, and Ricky Starks are there. Um, they're taunting Moxley because his partner didn't show up as if he has any stake in this, or like any way to control Darby. Um, Ricky Starks cuts a promo on Darby, and then he and Cage walk out, and lo and behold, Darby does a surprise coffin drop off of the top of the entrance tunnel onto Cage and Starks as they walk out. So, bam. You got got. Starks can talk. He can. He seems like a talented dude. Yeah. Yeah. Which... You know, maybe he has a very illustrious career that I'm not aware of um, prior to this, which is totally possible. But um, having only seen him do like one match, I was impressed. What did you think of the match content? Eh. It was like a, it was, it was kind of like a tag team Cracker Barrel Flash, but toned down for television. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like it didn't it did, it did, it really didn't do it for me. I um thought this was probably a match not designed for me because almost immediately like we got trash cans coming out and <laughs> that just means we're about to get extreme in a, in a way yeah. that I'm like, okay. Um there was a cool spot though where Darby like so Brian Cage picked up Moxley or had him in his arms for some reason and Darby jumped onto his shoulders from the top turnbuckle I guess thinking he could do a move but he just ended up sitting on top of him and then 
Brian Cage, power slam both of them. Yes. That was cool. That was pretty neat. Brian Cage is really strong. He is. Unfortunately, like, little Darby attacking Brian Cage is kind of like when you go bowling and you use a five-pound ball. Like, no matter how hard you throw that, the pins are heavier and you just kind of, like, watch it bounce off them. So, Darby tried. Mm -hmm. But Brian Cage is a monster. Um, Also, throughout this match, Taz, on commentary, was just yelling instructions to Cage that he couldn't hear. So that was fun. <laughs> how did this match? Uh, how did this match wrap up, Megan? What was the? Okay, this match wrapped up in like the worst way known to man. Jenny, I. Jenny, you're gonna want to listen to this. I audibly like shrieked. <laughs> so, Darby pulls out his skateboard from under the ring, but he's modified it so that there are thumbtacks taped or stuck to the bottom of it, and so <sighs> he. Oh, Jenny, just wait. He goes up to the top rope, and Ricky Starks is there, and Darby jumps off the top rope, puts his skateboard on his feet, and then slams into Ricky Starks' back, fully tearing him open. Oh my god. And yeah, Ricky Starks... Yeah, believe it or not, skateboards roll. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ricky Starks' reaction is... All I can believe is it was genuine because he was in pain and he could not hold still and he was rolling around and I think at one point he almost said, oh, fuck. He, but, he fully said the fuck word on TNT. Okay, well, they they didn't have to bleep it, so he must have not said it loud enough. But um, yeah. it looked like the most painful thing. Shoot painful. Like his back was ripped open and there were thumbtacks stuck in it, but also like... The skateboard had scraped across him, so blood. Oh. It, I felt so bad for this man who I'm sure said, this is cool, I will take this spot. And then this happened. Um, but so Darby got the win because he pinned him after he did that. Yeah, it was, I felt really bad for Ricky. <laughs> I did, that was horrifying. Yeah, fully, yeah. There's, uh, there's you know, there's there's footage of him in the back at the trainer's room on, on you know on social media if you want to find it but I don't I don't fully re- I don't really recommend it. Is like is he okay now? Did they? He's, he's okay, but like you know he just got. Why was that allowed? I don't know. Like I almost feel like it would have been better if Darby had just landed, like on him, and then just like just it just stuck in his back. This way. It, oh, it's oh yeah, it would have been a hundred times better. Yeah, it it looks so painful. Okay, so um, poor Ricky starts and respect, bro. But also, man, like, please don't put yourself through that again. Respect your body, bro. Now there have been there. So you remember a couple weeks ago when, uh, or I guess it was a week ago when Ricky Starks jumped Darby from behind and, like, as, you know, like, to uh, set up the beating from he and uh, Brian Cage. On Dark, right? Uh, was it on Dark? Yeah, I guess it was yeah. on Dark. Yeah, Yeah, because I didn't watch So, unfortunately, Ricky got a little overzealous and he knocked Darby forward and his head 
hit the rope and like rebounded, and he and Darby got himself a little concussion. So oh. there are people saying that like maybe this was a receipt, but I I don't I don't want to believe that. That seems like a really massive horrible receipt. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. And I feel like he would have had to pre-agree to thumbtacks from a skateboard. Well, yeah, yeah. That's the theory. That, like, he took a brutal skateboard, like, thumbtack spot as a, as, you know, to, like, let Darby get something back on him for giving him a concussion. It's so fucked up if that's true. I mean, yes. Yeah, especially because, like, that was an accident. It wasn't like, I don't know, some people go out to hurt other people on purpose. Mm -hmm. And just like overzealous, like nerves causing a concussion on accident, that's different. (sighs) If, If that's the case, I would say Ricky Starks has paid his debt and maybe also should be allowed to give Darby another concussion. (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) This was super weird and super gross and ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I audibly shrieked. Like, I felt the pain. I did not like seeing it. And then, just like, out of nowhere, as... He and Mox are kind of celebrating together. We find out that Darby is getting a world title match next week. Yeah, because he gives him the eye. Like, hey, we're teammates, but also maybe I'll hit you with this thumbtack skateboard. Yeah. It's like, did are we supposed to believe that TK told Darby that if they won the tag team match that he would get the title shot or something? Because it was like they booked it on the fly, but Darby and Moxley already knew about it. Did they? Because I kind of got the impression that Moxley was like, what? Oh, so you think maybe Darby, only Darby knew about it at that point. Yeah, like, I feel like when Moxley turned around and saw the look on Darby's face, he was like, are we gonna go now? Are you gonna come at me with that skateboard? And then, and then it turns out they get a match. Although the announcer said it, they can't hear the announcer, so it was more just like a weird, okay... So maybe he did know. That is weird. That's kind of a weird environment thing. Yeah. I also don't really know. I mean, I guess we'll find out next week what the reason for this is, hopefully. But it's not immediately apparent to me why they would do this match right now. I assume Darby's not going to win. I guess it's like the student attempts to surpass the teacher. Yeah, but I mean, he just got back. I don't think it's a good time for Darby to have a high profile, another high profile loss. Yeah, that really sucks because he seems like he always gets these chances and then loses. So if they keep doing this with him, that's not great. Yeah. Maybe they'll just put this on YouTube too. Now they advertise this one for Dynamite. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I guess we'll see next week how, how they're gonna handle that yeah and that was that was our show uh. elite beat pod on instagram the elite beat pod on instagram i should say uh Megan, i guess overall what did you what did you think of dynamite this week was it just did you have an overall feeling about it um it was like okay it just didn't feel as cohesive as some of the past ones 
Yeah, like, I think I'm. I think I'm with you. It wasn't. It didn't. I came away from it, and I was just like, "That was that was fine," but I wasn't like excited when I finished watching it. I wasn't like, "I can't wait to see what's next." Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's. It felt like they were kind of throwing the like a dart at the board, and like everything made sense as far as who was involved in the matches. It just it didn't seem to flow as nicely as normal. Yeah. Uh, ratings. If you remember last week, AEW won big, big, big over NXT with a .32 in the demo against a .17 in the demo for NXT. Uh, this week, AEW .3 in the demo, so down, down a little bit, and NXT up to .18, so up slightly. So NXT still got skunked, but not quite as bad as last week. Uh, AEW was number six overall for the night in cable, behind the powerhouse that is the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. They went on a trip. They went on a trip, and uh, NXT was 28th in the demo for the night. Oh my god. That's rough. That is rough. Uh, but yeah, so AEW, back to, back to pretty consistently winning both demo and overall viewership, it seems like, so good for them. Uh... We don't really have much in the way of news. The Excalibur story was kind of the big thing, and we talked about that. Um, I did want to bring up, because it's pertinent to Matt Cardona, at least, that WWE posted their financial results for the quarter. And I'm going to read from John Pollock's report over at Post Wrestling. For the quarter covering April 1st through June... I can't be right. January. Bless you, January 1st. No, April 1st. Okay, yeah. For the quarter covering April 1st through June 30th, the company brought in revenues of $222.3 million, which was down from $268.9 million last year, With a but they had a net income of $43.8 million, which is up from $10.4 million from the second quarter last year. So they quadrupled their profit year over year with less revenue. And it was primarily because they reduced their operating expenses from last year by $80 million. Good God. Presumably because they're not traveling to, you know, three to four cities a week. Not having to rent buildings. Right. Because they're just using their own facility. Set up all... I think of how many thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars it is to just like set up yeah each one of those tapings yeah yeah a lot of crew a lot of time and equipment good lord yeah uh pollock says that the company was greatly assisted by its ability to continue to deliver its television content to its broadcast partners that yielded 132.9 million dollars and core content rights for the quarter. Um, yeah, so without any without any live events, without no, no events in front of paying fans, they had their most profitable quarter in the history of the company. And, if you recall, fired a bunch of people during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, but those expenses of those people were still included in this. Yeah, absolutely, quarter. but I'm just saying. That makes it worse, honestly. 
Yeah, like, I mean, I think there were other reasons for those cuts than just the pandemic. Maybe the pandemic was a good excuse. Yeah, convenient timing yeah. to cut some fat. Not for those people. Well, agree. No, <laughs> not at all. I think this really has to make them look at their business model in the future, post-pandemic. Like, it does not make sense for them to be going to all these places to put on these shows. The, like, revenues do not support the expenses. No. I think... I think that they should still go to arenas for TVs. But I think that maybe just completely eliminate non-televised events. How many non-televised events are there a week? Um, they had started. They had already started to cut back at the beginning of this year because they were they were starting to become unprofitable. Those those events specifically, uh, but I, they were at a time doing what, four a week between between the brands. Hmm. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because I believe, like, yeah, because I think each, Raw and SmackDown each had three shows a week, one of which was their television, and then two of which were live events that were not televised. Hmm. Yeah. I, I would be surprised if, uh, like, I don't think there's any way that house shows will ever ramp up to, to the point that they were pre-pandemic. Because there's really not much of a reason for them to. There's no reason for them to. Well, the, the, okay, the argument is... It lets wrestlers who are not as experienced get reps in front of live crowds. I would fully believe they cut a bunch of people even knowing they were going to make revenue. And if they didn't, then I guess happy surprise for them. But it's interesting to know that they basically like don't need to do those house shows. And not even need to. They should not be doing those house shows if they want to be more profitable. Is what I take from these numbers. Yeah, I mean, you're you're better at the financial stuff than I am. So it's, um, it's surprising, though, that they're coming out ahead on this. And it's like, karmically, when are they going to get theirs? That's my question. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of galling to to see it happen over and over again. They just keep falling up. Did you know that their their the analyst estimates for uh, their their profitability was like I think the high end was like twelve point eight million for the quarter, <laughs> and they came in at forty forty three. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Jesus, good for them. I guess evil empire. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's like they're they're like bleeding popularity. Raw's down like thirty percent year over year in viewership, but they can't. You know, with these escalating TV rights and everything, they can't. They and not having to go anywhere except for just their little studio in Orlando, they they can't help but like make stupid amounts of money. It's upsetting <laughs> it really is like the evil empire is succeeding boy they sure are Megan <laughs> uh, 
Well, uh, that's about it for us. I just, I, I, I just thought uh, Jenny would enjoy having a little chat about the financials there at the end. Uh, next week on Dynamite, we've got John Moxley versus Darby Allen for the title. We got Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy in a debate with a special moderator. Uh, we promise more from MJF. Hopefully, a promo that makes a little bit more sense for John Moxley. We've got Cody and Matt Cardona versus Silver and Reynolds, the Clean Beavers. And we've got an even bigger uh, tag team match than, than this past week a 12 man tag. Oh my god. <laughs> As it's the dark order of Brody Lee, Colt Cabana, Uno, Grayson, Five and Ten, versus the Young Bucks, Mega Hung, and FTR. Oh my god. That is way too many people. It is a lot of people. You'd think that, like, by squeezing 12 people into one match, they could put one woman's tag team match on the show. Yep. You'd think, but you'd be wrong. You'd I, to go to YouTube. I, would, I would be wrong. I would be dead wrong on that. Anyway, that's that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. For Megan and for Andy, for Megan and for Jenny, I'm Andy. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Elite Beat. Elite Beat. Elite Beat.